join us today. My name is Daniel Cavanaugh, and I'm here with my dad, Charles. This is Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We're in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And believe it or not, Thanksgiving is literally around the corner as well mm -hmm. as Christmas. And if you go out into the byways and the highways, it's definitely Christmas yeah. is here. Turkeys, so, uh, the deflated turkeys across the street. Yes. So, however, with that said, we're going to do a little something different for our Thanksgiving special, which is usually just one episode. We're going to take the next couple weeks and then obviously the week of Thanksgiving to lead up to Thanksgiving and talk about it. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to call this making the most of Thanksgiving. Now, this is not negative. Not like, well, we got to do this, so we might as well make the most of it. Right. But really, right. exactly. yeah, but we're taking what God has given us and we want to exponentially apply that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't mention this before we came on, but I actually printed off both George Washington and Abraham Lincoln's proclamations regarding Thanksgiving. And by the way, people often get uh, Abraham Lincoln's proclamation on fasting, prayer and fasting, mixed up with his proclamation on Thanksgiving. They are mm -hmm. not the same, right. and they weren't done at the same time. But both of those men brought out things that perhaps we can bring out during the, the course of the podcast but both of them had a strong view of the sovereignty and power of God and the graciousness and goodness of God and that what we had came from his hand. We're not here to discuss whether they were genuine evangelical right. Christians. Right. That's not really the point. But the point is that they had a real high view of God. Well, Thanksgiving is an American <laughs> holiday. It is. It's, it's not a, a worldwide is. holiday as opposed to Christmas, which is celebrated across the world by many people. This is intrinsically an American holiday. It is. Based upon what we have known and come to know and, and have experienced. And it's Christian in its history. Right. So that's why some want to downplay it, even get away, get rid of it if possible. So we'll, as we go into this part one, there'll be a three-part series on making the most of Thanksgiving. We want to look at three elements of Thanksgiving. One is the contentment, another's graciousness, and another's humility, excuse me. And you said something before we came on. You said, without these, you do not have Thanksgiving. Yeah. You don't, you don't have gratefulness, and you don't have a real Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, as we all know, we say this every year, it's not football and food, you know. And it, it isn't. Those are, I love that. But we have fun together as a family doing that. We have a blast doing that. Don't stop doing it if you enjoy doing it. Right. I'm just saying, we're not grateful just because we do the Thanksgiving stuff. Right. And that's what we, we really want to see that that uh, what what makes up this thing we thought call gratefulness, right. especially when it comes to expressing it as a holiday and as the people of God. Yeah, so we're not gonna do we're gonna do all three of those over the course of three weeks. So we're right. gonna deal with contentment today. And what we want to see is the essential nature of the qualities of contentment. Right. So the three things we want to look at is the school of contentment, and we're drawing from what Paul has to say on how to be looking for, yeah, and how to be abound. Very familiar. The significance of contentment and the source of contentment. So we're going to jump in here. The school of contentment. What is that school? What's involved with that school? What comes at us? From yeah, that all Christians are in the school, uh, and if we take the terminology Paul uses twice. Uh, I've learned in every situation to be content, everywhere in all things I've learned how to be abased, how to bound. Uses the term twice, that he's learned something. 
which indicates that Paul went through some things that taught him something. That he saw himself as a student. I mean, he may not have used these exact words, but when you say, I've learned something, I've had these experiences and I've learned from them, you see yourself as a disciple, a learner. And that's what basically that goes back to the meaning of the word disciple, which simply means a learner. Right. And uh, the mathetes is the word in the Greek. And when Jesus had disciples, they followed him. He was a peripatetic teacher. They followed and walked along with him and learned from him. And that's what we're doing. Jesus isn't here in the flesh, but we're following Jesus. We're walking with him and we're learning. And we're certainly in the school of contentment. Well, the things that he puts in our lives in regarding the people right. are are definitely... This, and, it's, and, and I often joke and I say, man, if I didn't have people, it would be a lot better off. But the problem is, you're not the people. Yeah, that ain't exactly so. Right. Yeah, right. I, it, it, it all begins to crumble <clears throat> after that. Well, it's, it's like, you know, I used to say, I could be a great parent if it weren't for my kids. And mm-hmm. I, I said that tongue-in-cheek. My kids are now not kids, they're adults. And, and, and uh, I'm talking to what I'm here you know, on this podcast, and, and, I, and you know what I meant by that. That the challenge of being a parent was, was dealing with people, my kids. Right. And that's the truth when it comes to contentment. People and circumstances. And most circumstances involve people to some degree. But... Is there anyone listening to us who don't have people who do not have people in their lives? Even the most reclusive person among us that are a challenge, right? We all have people are a challenge, or so circumstances what? that are not a challenge. Both, you know, if it's anything, just like a, a messed up car, or a house that everything's breaking on, or uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you, we could a coworker that, that is not easy to deal with, yeah, a boss that is not yeah. easy to deal with. It could yeah. be someone we work with, someone in our family. It could be somebody who's close to our husband or our wife. It could be our child. It could be our parent. An illness or a loss. Yeah, yeah. And so these things are part of the school of contentment. Now, then the question comes because if you're like me, you you blow it. You know, I mean, right. you say, why in the world is this happening, Lord? You can stop this. You know, or uh, or I just get mad, just blow it, just blow right. up. You know, maybe not at somebody, but really just at myself and at the Lord. I mean, who else are you fussing at? If you're fussing over in the corner somewhere nobody else can see, and you're you're uh, doing all this, you're really fussing at the Lord, and really expressing that the school of contentment is not a school I really enjoy. You know, we all had classes in school we didn't enjoy. Some we enjoyed more than others. Some people didn't enjoy any of the classes. That's another story. But I had some I really liked, and I had some I really didn't like. But I had to go to both. And, <clears throat> and I had to do the homework for both. Right. I had to work through the issues of both. We have to work through. And we'll never get out of the school. Now, I don't think we're going to say Paul finished his learning until he died. We right. all are learning until we die. Learning from the school of contentment to be so we, content. We have the school of contentment, but now we have the significance of contentment. It's the opposite of contentment is covetousness. So what? Because and, and knowing that, why does that make contentment significant? Yeah, I most of us would not stop to identify ourselves as covetors or covetous. You know, the commandment: um, "You shall not covet." Um, and that desire for what you don't have, specifically in the Decalogue, in the Ten Commandments, it was a desire that some for something someone else had. But that, if you look at Scripture, it's covetousness is not just about 
desiring what you have. I wish what you had was mine. But it's a desiring things I don't have. Right. Things maybe I can't have. Uh, and and it's, it shows up in this because Paul relates his learning <clears throat> contentment to food. There were times when he was very hungry. And there were times when he was very full. That, that you know, That's to me... We're, we're saying, my God, later he says, my God will supply all your need according to riches and glory of Christ Jesus. And yet, there were times when Paul's needs were not completely met. Uh, how to be abased, how to abound. There were times when he's on top of it. The church was seeing the glories of his, his evangelistic ministry around the world. There were times when he was fighting with those and trying to overcome those who were destroying his ministry or trying to destroy his ministry. Well, you, you made a comment. You said, if we are not content, we are not grateful. That's a very sweeping statement, but I think I know what you mean by that because at the core, the antithesis of gratefulness, of thankfulness, is a lack of contentment. Right. I often, in my praying, often ask the Lord, forgive me for being ungrateful, lack of contentment. And because... It is so common a quality that is discontent. It's such a common quality to me. I I don't feel like I can say with Paul, uh, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I'm learning, but I don't feel like I'm learning very well. Yeah, I think if all of us read that, we kind of feel the angst of, of not feeling what Paul's feeling there. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, I, uh, how do we, how do we see, maybe we can ask the Spirit of God to impress upon our minds and hearts the significance of contentment, that if I am not content with the things I have, you know, and Paul told people, be content with the things you have. If you didn't bring anything into this world, you're not going to take anything right. with you. Well, and I think we're going to get at the source here in a minute, and I think that's going to help yes. us. Um, yeah, but, but, the, but the, what that, what you pointed out is simply important, to, and we're going to say this again in the other qualities, that is this, without contentment there's no gratefulness, and there's no real thanksgiving. And I don't think this is because there's never anything we don't deal with. There are issues in life that need to be yeah. dealt with. So yeah. it's not like we're, we're talking about at the core of a hard attitude, right. and I think we have to realize that. Which so, is why we ought to jump on that, right. that demon <laughs> yeah. know, with both feet. So we have the school, we have the significance, but in the end, the source of contentment is the answer. We don't want to sound tried in that, but I think we have to realize that Paul knew where his source came from. Yeah. And he yeah. understood, and, I, and people struggle with this, but he understood the sovereignty of God. And I really think this theological concept gets real real mm -hmm. because if you don't view God as completely sovereign and he is the source of all things... Then you're going to struggle with contentment. Yeah, it's interesting. This is one of the. I don't know how, there's no way to take a poll. Uh, if you took a poll of a thousand Christians, this verse would come up as one of the favorites of, right. of a large percentage of that thousand, I'm sure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Understandably, how often do we feel weak and needy? We're struggling to get through something. We want to know that we can do what we need to do, what we have to do through Christ who strengthens us. But a lot of times we think of that in terms of, uh, well, I can, uh, I can get a new job. I can win this competition. Yeah, I whatever. Can, yeah. But Paul says this in 
the context of getting, giving, receiving, not receiving, not having. He said, I can do both of these things, whether it's a based or a bound, be full or be hungry. I can do any of these through Christ who strengthens me. Okay. And so, we need to remember that. <clears throat> we think of, yes, by all means, you don't have to memorize that verse, all of us know it by heart. I, what Christian does, maybe a new Christian, you know. Right. But most of us who've had any time in the Word know that verse, and we want that verse to be true for us. Let's just make it true for us. Let's apply it to ourselves in this area of contentment. Paul is simply saying, I can be content in every circumstance. Why? Because it's Christ who strengthens me. The source of my contentment is Christ. When I pray for my family, I pray for myself. Teach us to be content with what you give us, to be content with where you've put us, to be content with what you have for us. Uh, but that's help. why Paul says he's able to be a base and a bound. Yeah. Because of the source. Yeah. And he knows all things come from the source. Yeah. So I think that's that's the that's kind of the crux of the matter. That's where our struggle comes down to. If we're not willing to embrace that, not just know it in head knowledge, mm-hmm. but embrace that, mm-hmm. I that's when we start going the other direction. Yeah. And um, the the whole issue of um, comes up. One of the questions that begs to be asked is, well, what if uh, what if I don't? I have enough money to pay my light bill. Right. Okay. Well, get another job. Right. I mean, you know, it doesn't there take it doesn't take no. a way of Especially in our society, and yeah. Country, there are a lot of yeah, options. Cut somebody's grass. Right. Uh, whatever. Maybe and that will help supplement that. I, there are things I've I've done those things. I right. still do those things. Right. I do things. I'd really rather be doing other things, but I do these things because I need the extra cash. You know. So I say that to my brothers and sisters, and say, "What well, if you can?" Get, get some, do something about it. Right. You know, I mean, if you if you can't pay your bills, and those are legitimate bills, I'm not talking about bills you've accrued because you've right. been uh, not been responsible. If you've got bills that need to be paid, then do something that you can do and ask God to bless as well. But be content with this situation that God's given you. Yeah, and I think we have to realize that just because needs are not met when we think they should be, uh, it does not mean that God is not working or supplying. You think about the, the Christians in the world who don't have basic necessities. We see videos, we read newsletters, we see ministries who are out there. I saw some videos yesterday afternoon and heard some things from people who don't have basic medical needs, don't have basic food needs, they don't have clean water, they don't have anybody who can help them if they have an illness. These are basic needs that aren't met. Brothers and sisters are there. Does that mean God is failing them? No. It means God is giving the church an opportunity to meet those needs, but he's also teaching us to be content with the things we have. So, Which I think what we have to realize, when we realize the source of both abounding and being a base, that's why if we are abounding, we can enjoy that to its fullest. Yeah. And the opposite is true. And so I, I don't think it's either or, because I think so many people look... There's the idea, is, you know, we don't want to be prosperity gospel, so we're going to be poverty gospel. Right. But that's not really the, the answer. No, the one's the answer. Right. The answer is, is, as Paul says, I know God's given me this, and so I'm going to enjoy it. I'm also going to use it for his kingdom. Right. But if I'm on the other side... And he I, takes it. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> the problem is our idea of what of abounding is having lots of really nice stuff for the day we live in. Right. Abounding... My, to, to most of the world is having a place to lay your head, a safe place, yeah. 
food to eat, clean water, right. warm shower, that's abounding. Yeah. And much more than that, the grace of God is abounding to us as sinners. That's and, and I thought of that, that title, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. If we see ourselves the chief of sinners and we see the grace of God abound to us, then we are blessed and should be content. In that case, we should embrace the source of contentment. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, but we do thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next week. Crosstalk is a production of Vision for Living Ministries. This is a free resource, but if you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting visionforliving.org forward slash support. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website where you will find other resources, including our blog. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash V4L. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org or send us a message on Facebook. Join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.